For the past 20 years, photographer Frank Ritter has been documenting the aftermath of the 9-11 terrorist attacks, as well as the rebuilding efforts at the World Trade Center site. His photos capture acts of mourning and remembrance, celebrations of heroism, and many other scenes that tell the continuing story of the 9-11 tragedy. Hi, I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. Frank's photos are now featured in a new book called 9-11, Remembrance, Renewal, Hope a 20-year journey. Frank is our guest on this week's Cityscape. Frank, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here, especially since you're back at your studio. Yeah, it's really wonderful to be back in the studio, no question about that. Here we are, Frank, 20 years after the 9-11 terror attacks. What's been on your mind now that we've been marking this anniversary? Well, it's the idea of recovery and how far we've gone since the beginning. We, uh, we're left with uh, a huge hole in the ground with debris and just cleaning that up was like a major, major effort. Just putting out the fire that burned till the end of that year, many months, that was like a, a major effort. You wouldn't think you'd have to go to that length, but that's what happened. Where were you on 9-11-2001? I was uh, a little bit beyond the shadow of the World Trade Center uh, maybe about, uh, I was up around 20th Street, which uh, maybe is about a mile from uh, the Ground Zero site. And how well do you remember how that day played out for you? Well, in the morning, it was a little bit ambiguous because uh, uh, like many of us, I believe that it was just a small plane that ran into the Twin Tower. And this, uh, in fact, I had one thought, oh, maybe I should run down there. And then I thought, well, if it was just a tragic accident, that is not the most, you know, so impactful. It was only later when we discovered when the second plane hit, in particular, we realized that we really had a problem. So it was actually later in the afternoon that I decided that this was an event of uh, not just an accident, but an event that had uh, incredible, not just national, but also international repercussions. How soon after the attacks did you go out with your camera to start to document things? Well, the the attack started, uh, say, about 845 when they actually zoomed into the building. It was, uh, it probably was in the early afternoon, maybe around uh, uh, 1.30 or 2 o'clock that I actually decided that, that this was something that should be recorded. What was that experience like for you, capturing photographs at that time in particular? Well, uh, it was really hard to comprehend the situation. I mean, people were saying on that day when I when I looked at my TV screen, it seemed like just a horrible movie. I couldn't process it. Uh, basically, uh, I saw I saw a lot of police, and I saw people that were going north uptown trying to escape this uh, this area. I probably made it to, I saw the repercussions of the attack. I wasn't there, I wasn't uh, at ground zero per se. Uh, and maybe that was uh, my luck, the good luck that, uh, because some of the things were just so, incre- that I've heard about and studied and were just truly horrible, such as people jumping or falling out of windows, uh, really horrendous stuff. And uh, 
in a way, I'm, I think I'm happy that I didn't see that part. Yeah, no question about that. I feel the same luck, honestly, because I was on the Brooklyn side of the Brooklyn Bridge covering yeah. the events that day, and I feel very lucky that I was on that side of the bridge. Yeah, I saw many pedestrians. Uh, I eventually made it to the area near the Brooklyn Bridge as you go from Manhattan into Brooklyn, and uh, there were many people going over the bridge into Brooklyn. And also there were many people that were going, they may have been going towards uptown Manhattan. In fact, the cover that the, uh, the, the photograph that ended up being on the cover showed two ladies that were, uh, they were in that air intersection and either they were going further up north, uh, maybe on the FDR drive as people were walking like refugees on the FDR drive at the same time, there are also many people that were streaming over the Brooklyn Bridge into Brooklyn itself. I'm not sure, uh, it was kind of the ambiguity of this cover where uh, these two ladies were wearing masks and yet they had shopping bags on their hand like they had been maybe to Macy's or something. It was it was hard to kind of wrap, your, wrap yourself around that. Uh, further making it ambiguous was that one minute because of all the smoke from ground zero, it was like an eclipse. One minute, the sky would darken and it would be very, very almost black. And then a couple minutes later when the wind would blow, you'd see that sun shining through. Uh, also to see the Woolworth building in the background kind of gave me a taste that I was in my perspective, which was near the Brooklyn Bridge uh, gave me the perspective of seeing uh, kind of a smoky uh, Woolworth building. Also, I saw uh, at the time, uh, there's a pic the picture on the cover of the Yankee insignia, which to me was kind of uh, uh, consoling seeing that, oh, well, there is the Yankee insignia. Uh, I don't know whether you're a Yankee fan or a Met fan. I don't mean to make a favorite. But, uh, but this is something that I identify with New York City, and we're still in New York City, and uh, things might not be too good today, which is an understatement, but uh, hopefully we're going to get through this. So what inspired you to go on to continue to document the story of 9-11 after the attacks, well beyond the attacks? Well, I almost didn't, because I was there the end of the day on 9-11, and I was also there the following day during part of that day. And after that, I was I was beginning to feel enough is enough. And I just don't want to go through this anymore. And I stayed away from the site. I purposely did not go to the site, maybe for at least six months. And uh, then I decided that maybe I should return and document it because it's, uh, it was an important event. And... Uh, I should bear witness to this, uh, to exactly what happened. In addition, after that, I was commissioned by the American Institute of Architects to uh, contribute photos, say, uh, of, every of every ceremony, annual ceremony on 9-11. So I got involved in working with them. And then I gradually became more interested in other aspects involving 9-11. Uh, which has continued over uh, 20 years and the uh, which is reflected in my book uh, 
9-11, Remembrance, Renewal, Hope, a 20-year journey. That's kind of what it's uh, about. And the remembrance part is uh, about honoring those uh, responders and those innocent victims, uh, uh, men, women, babies uh, that were lost on that day. Were you out there capturing the 20th anniversary as well in photographs? Yes, I was. Uh, uh, and it's amazing because over the years, you get to see, uh, you know, maybe the majority of the people becomes were not even alive or have no recollection of 9-11. And that's another purpose of why I, I think it's important to, for me anyway, to document this event because to uh, uh, because one thing that two words that you see or hear most often is I was in the back in the media section as I was doing photographs at the anniversary and there were two words that I saw on many shirts and many placards and those two words were never forget and this is the purpose of why I have a camera and why I use it partially to record and never forget uh, the heroism and the tragedy of that day. Did you feel anything different about this 20th anniversary compared to other anniversaries that you've been to? Well, it was kind of like a cap on, uh, I guess maybe it's a sociological thing that we feel like the 19th anniversary seems, that's a number I guess we don't think of as, uh, as a milestone. But yet, if it's a 15th, a 10th anniversary, a 20th anniversary, uh, I know with many of the, some even tragic events in our, in our history, uh, the JFK assassination or the Martin Luther King assassination, we often think of, you'll, you'll see a news item, this is the 20th year anniversary or the 30th year. So we have a, a thing with numbers where we, or for maybe our psyche, we cap things off in certain numbers. And, and I think maybe I'm accused of doing that myself. Have you witnessed people grow up or grow old around this tragedy through your photographs, people that you've seen over the years documenting this? You mean other than myself? Grow old? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're kind not to mention that. Uh, yes, I, I have. I One wish that I might have some of the people in my book, including uh, some of the younger people, uh, one particular person in, in, uh, in particular, uh, who was, must have been around 12 or 13, as she was leaving the World Trade Center area and going north as to what they would look at like today. And, th and they were saying, so to so say if they were 10, that today they'd be 30, I would never, recognize them would they recognize themselves in the pictures and also at the same time the the tragedy of uh uh of the victims especially the youngest victim uh, uh one day at, i was at uh, the the uh, world trade center site and they have a parapet around the voids of the two footprints where the uh, two buildings stood and around the parapet you have the names of all the victims. And one day when I was walking there, shortly after one of the anniversaries, uh, I saw two little flags and uh, 
uh, one flag was for a little girl by the name of Dana, and another one for her sister, Zoe, Zoe or Zoe. Dana was all of three years old, and Zoe was like seven or eight. And when you think of the loss of these kids, and uh, even the little seven or eight-year-old, I I looked at her little little storytelling about her, and even though it was just like a little girl, you could see that all the all of her interests and activities and uh, what they might be. But this person was really special. I mean, they were all special. But this person seemed very, very talented. And you just wonder, with the loss of this person, could this have been the person that would have, of course, lived a wonderful life, contributed to our American society and internationally, and maybe discovered a cure for cancer? You know, it, it's just, uh, it's such a tragic thing. At the beginning of the book, you write that despite the atrocity of 9-11 and other horrors of the 20th century, hope is eternal. Talk to me more about what you mean by that. Well, uh, hope is the last segment of my book because I didn't want to do a book just solely of doom and gloom, although there's certainly in of that experience in the book. But, the, uh, but there's a little tree that's planted at Ground Zero area. It's a sapling from uh, Amsterdam. And uh, you, like many others, know of the story of Anne Frank, uh, who lived through the war hiding uh, until she was eventually taken tragically to a concentration camp. Uh, and her quote was, in spite of everything, I still believe people are good at heart. And this is the idea of a certain optimism I think we have to have and a certain hope that uh, uh, we are going to do better and we can come together. And I think nothing's more important than that. Than, uh, those words would be uh, to say them again today. What would you say are among the photos that capture that feeling most, the feeling of hope? Well, it's a, a big part of the ceremony every year was uh, the art, showing the artwork that had been done, uh, the, uh, the music, which certainly plays a wonderful part in the ceremonies. And I think when I hear certain music, a uh, very calming effect, uh, uh, a photograph of uh, when they take, when they presented the flag, uh, uh, the idea that we are in this together. Uh, as sad as it was hearing the different, re the reading of the different uh, victims or the, I mean, the, uh, the families of the victims read the names. You, it was very sad, but you also had the feeling that they had the strength to come up and they were acknowledging the importance of these, uh, maybe, maybe brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, as to how important they were to them and the contributions that they did make. Photographs of that scene, uh, hearing uh, the iconic uh, uh, and Broadway celebrity, uh, Kristen Chenoweth, sing a song called Borrowed Angels. Uh, this kind of gave you a sense of hope. And, uh, and these are things that I tried to capture with my lens. Yeah, no question. Music is just so important to honoring the victims so of 9-11, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. 
Bruce Springsteen, of course, paid tribute this year, and that was also a remarkable, memorable moment, a touching moment. Oh, oh, definitely. Uh, uh, and, and in my journey and my photographic record, I do document a lot of the, uh, the people that were, uh, that joined us in song and writing music uh, in memory and uh, recognition of the first responders. I think that's really, uh, that's really important to do that. One photo shows Grand Central Station and the Chrysler Building with lyrics from a Mary Chapin Carpenter song. Can all these voices keep on asking me to take them to Grand Central Station? Those lost souls just want to go home. Tomorrow, I'll be back there working on the pile. What do those lyrics mean to you? Well, they bring to mind to me the first responders and how hard they worked and and the the bravery of going down there. Just the, I mean, they were inviting a certain, and someone had to do it, a certain mental, you know, torment and uh, post, you know, being exposing themselves to post-trauma. And that's kind of what, uh, what the, the words of that, they, they were doing things, the first responders were doing things, not because they necessarily wanted to, but it was their duty that's what they had to do. And that's kind of the, uh, uh, it kind of ties in with the idea of hope and perseverance. And we're going to get through this. uh, We're going to get through this together. Talk to me more about the heroism that you've captured in photographs over the years, documenting the story of 9-11. Well, there was uh, uh, one family who uh, uh, the father called, He, he was actually divorced. He called his, he was on top of it. And he said, um, he, he called home uh, to speak to his ex-wife and also his daughter, which he spoke to briefly. And he said, I'm, I'm not sure I'm gonna make it out of here, but I would like to, uh, I'd, I'd like to speak to the gentleman of the house now since his wife remarried. And he spoke to her and, and uh, uh, the victim's name was Michael A. Trinidad. And he said, uh, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of here, but I want you to embrace my daughter as your own and give her the love that I won't have the opportunity to give her. And uh, I think a man to say that when he only had, you know, a very short time left on the earth to show bravery and and courage, uh, as it turned out, his he and his daughter shared, his daughter was only seven years old at the time, shared a certain interest in wrestling. And the little girl who was only seven at the time grew up and she became uh, actually a pro wrestler <laughs> for a while. And at approximately 20 years old, she was written up as uh, in pro wrestler, pro wrestler magazine as the inspirational wrestler of the year. I, I mean, I, and this was kind of all set up by her uh, dad who passed in 9-11. Uh, by the way, Michael A. Trinidad, who was her dad, the A stands for angel, hmm. which I think was very, uh, very appropriate and very heart-wrenching. Yeah. Many photos show people placing flowers on memorials for those they lost. What do you take away from those moments, those little acts of mourning that you witness? 
Well, those are very, it almost seemed uh, like they were at, uh, I don't know if confessional is the right analogy, but it's kind of a, a synopsis where they were basically had their own private space. And I made sure I didn't get too near them or I used the long telephoto lens uh, because I didn't want to disturb them. I, there was one gentleman that I saw one year, most people, you know, they, they walk up and they spend maybe four or five, maybe 10 minutes. Some do even tracings of the name on a piece of paper. But this uh, person, he must have stayed and he, his, his head was nodded. He must have stayed maybe a half an hour. Uh, and, you know, to him, I think it was a healing process where he, I assume, was trying to communicate with that loved one past and maybe tell his feelings. Uh, others, there is also another uh, particular area, which I noticed the young lady was doing tracings and she was also posting pictures of her life saying this is what I think it was for her brother or sister who passed in the tragedy, putting up a picture of uh, her wedding, like this is something that you missed or showing a picture of her first child. This is something we're, we're pinning next to your name to show you, trying to communicate with you things that you missed, but you're with us in spirit. And this, uh, and to me, that that it's a very powerful moment and, and makes the ingredients for a powerful picture too. Do you remain a fly on the wall or do you sometimes engage in conversation when you witness acts like that? I wish I couldn't engage in conversation. I mean, I would like to do that eventually. However, I find that that's tough for me to do, uh, maybe because of the gravity of the situation. If a person comes towards me and will signal to me somehow that they want to speak to, they want to speak about it, or if I overhear a conversation that I feel I might be able to participate in, I will happily do that. But I feel that every, well, everyone handles grief their own way. And I don't want to, uh, I don't want to interfere with that process. How do you compartmentalize that? How do you deal with your own feelings documenting this? It's tough. It's, it's really tough. Sometimes I'm trying to figure it out myself. I'm, uh, uh, if uh, someone told me the first day that you're going to be down there photographing, photographing this event and the aftermath of it, I'm not exactly sure how I would have felt about it in the beginning. It's something you kind of gradually get into. And then when you see the rebuilding and the tremendous transformation down there, and you visit the uh, World Trade Center, the museum there, you kind of get a feeling of what happened and uh, an understanding uh, of uh, of what this of what this is what what this represents to us, or you you start to process what happens, and uh, it's a continuous process. What strikes you most about your documentation of the rebuilding process at the World Trade Center site? How well I think it's it's turned out. I mean, if there were hundred hundreds of people with uh, there might have been hundreds of people with different opinions, and some people wanted to have, don't do anything, just leave it the way it is. 
There are others saying we should rebuild the Twin Towers exactly as they were. Other people said, well, maybe we have to make it bigger. Maybe we have to make it better. Uh, Daniel Liebeskin, who is one of the master designers, was saying that we should make the tower uh, 1,776 feet for symbolic reasons, which I think was a was a very, very good concept. And on top of it, we're going to put a, a, a torch symbol uh, similar or in homage, homage to the Statue of Liberty, which uh, is what this is uh, uh, all about. Yeah. By the way, my book title, I don't know if I've mentioned it, <laughs> uh, is 911weremember.com. Uh, uh, we for that's the URL if anyone should be interested in, in seeing the photographs firsthand, or actually I should say purchasing the book. <laughs> uh, the, at the moment, the best way to do that is to go to 911weremember.com. Uh, uh, I tried to make it simple. But I urge everyone, I don't want to forget, to go down to the, uh, go down to the site if, if you can and go to the World Trade Center, uh, the museum there, the memorial and museum. Uh, uh, and, and you'll see many books there. You'll see uh, uh, my book is basically available on my website. And also one of the, uh, I can put in a plug, one of the reasons I wanna have people buy the book is to spread my word about the uh, rebuilding of 9-11 and the positive American values that are so important to us and values that should be recognized by us. I remember decades and decades ago when I was a kid, we learned about American values and uh, uh, truth and liberty and stuff like that. We, I think today it's even more important than it's ever been. We have to, uh, as Abraham Lincoln said, I wasn't around there at the time when he said it, although occasionally I feel that way, <laughs> uh, we're building, we wanna build a more perfect union. And that's something that we have to keep in mind. And I'd like to publish enough of these books so uh, we can get the printing costs down so I can distribute more books to first responders, uh, different volunteers, uh, to different libraries where kids can go and read about the recovery properly from 9-11 and, re and read that, oh, there are these conspiracy theories, so this is a little crazy, but, but that's what liberty's about. These people fought and died recovering people to protect our American values of people having the right to say whatever they want, even if it seems very absurd. We just have to be informed enough as Americans, as citizens of the world, to read and to evaluate as to what is truth and what is just mere fiction and makes no sense. This is what's, I think, lacking in our world today. Just because we see it online or even hear it on the radio, it doesn't make it truth in itself. You have to do your research. You have to consider your sources. Certainly, there is so much truth in these photographs. There's photographic truth in what you've captured in this book and in all of your photographs. Well, thank you very much, because that's basically uh, why I'm doing it, to uh, 
to show the truth and to uh, so that not just the generation now, but even future generations in, uh, let's say even in 80 years, uh, 100th anniversary, people might come across this, um, this little book of mine and say, uh, oh, well, these are actually pictures that were done on the day of 9-11 for the immediate recovery. I think we should look at these pictures and try to examine them and see exactly what happened. I, I think of this, this my photographic record is a, a legacy or something you could hand down to future generations to say that I witnessed this. Also in the back of this, uh, of my project, I have a, an important area near the back cover where it says for a young person possibly to name your, uh, to name your favorite hero, to name your favorite national hero, to name your favorite international hero. This is the idea of we must respect our first responders and appreciate our heroes. And I think that has to be started. Uh, I think a child is not too young to uh, start appreciating the good people we have. The book is 9-11, Remembrance, Renewal, Hope, A 20-Year Journey. Frank Ritter, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You can learn more about Frank Ritter and his new book at 9-11-RememberanceRenewalHope.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>